Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. People's Church, it is good to see you today. Thanks for the three of you who responded. We get to be in church. Come on, Pastor Bill, we get to be in church. Next Sunday is February 13th. It is the day before Valentine's Day. And so we are going to capture the Sunday before Valentine's Day and believe for great marriages. Uh, If you are married, if you know somebody who is married that needs some prayer over their life, over their marriage, and that would be every marriage, uh, we are going to lift up marriages next Sunday. We're going to lift up couples Uh, Those who are dating, those who are engaged, be here next Sunday morning for that. Then, next Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, we are encouraging, we are inviting every person who calls this their church home to be part of a home gathering evening. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 9 says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. It's actually what it says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Acts chapter 2, verse 46, tells us about believers worshiping together and meeting in homes and sharing meals with great joy and generosity. So we are setting aside next Sunday afternoon, evening, however late you want to go, for you to, we're encouraging you in informal ways, however you choose to do it, to get together with others. Invite somebody over to your place. Maybe you get together with somebody and and one person says, I will host it. The other person says, I'll bring the food. However you choose to do it. Now, I know we're in the whole world situation right now, so people are different comfort levels. No one's asking you to do anything you're not comfortable with. But to the extent that you are comfortable, we are encouraging everybody to do something intentional to be in community next Sunday afternoon and Sunday evening. Invite some friends. How about this? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2 says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. So what a great Sunday afternoon, evening to invite somebody who's new to you over. A lot of us would say that whether it's church or in our neighborhood, there's people who we have been meaning to get together with, people who we'd say we should get together sometime. Well, how about next Sunday? Say, you know, we've been talking about getting together. Let's get together this Sunday. Why don't you come over? Or how about if I just come over? You have a great house. How about if I come over to your house? Pastor Tom said I could invite myself over. One of our global partners in missions is Life Publishers, the publisher of the Fire Bible. Would you just raise a hand if you've heard or you know of Fire Bible? Many of you do. If you've never heard of Fire Bible, it is a... Totally all-in, full-feature study Bible. We have it for you in English. Uh, It's also been translated into 63 languages, equipping pastors, ministry leaders all over the world. 
And it's our heart to be part of the mission to see the Fire Bible translated into the 100 most spoken languages on the planet. So I bring this up because I just got back from being part of an advisory board on the Fire Bible, and I ran into one of our dearest friends from the church, Pastor Scott Erickson. This is the first, we talk probably every week or every other week by phone. Uh, this is the first time that we have seen each other in person since the Ericsons left on May 16th. And it was such a joy to see Pastor Erickson. You know, uh, pastors, looking at our pastors, we know that Pastor Erickson had the spiritual gift of being able to take attendance while he was preaching. And he would say in staff meetings, do you, 10 o'clock service, second section, fourth row, there was a new couple. Did you meet them? Or he would say, do you know the people who sit in the 830, fourth section, eight rows back on the left side? They, they haven't been here for two weeks. Do you know where they are? So it didn't take long for us to be spending some time together when he said, I have some people I need to ask you about. He loves you. And we also want to share with you that we, as we celebrate the 70th anniversary of People's Church this year, Pastor Scott and Bonnie Erickson, who were the longest serving lead couple, pastor couple of this church, they are going to be back with us in May for the 70th anniversary. Also, Pastor Denny and Nancy Davis are supposed to be here, so be looking for that coming up in May. We believe in being deeply rooted in the Bible. And we want to say, as a pastoral staff, thank you to everyone who joined one of our Bible study groups. Some of the groups, many of the groups launched or relaunched this last Wednesday. And this Wednesday was full of energy on the campus as we had many, many new people who have never been part of Wednesday nights before come to a Wednesday night Bible study. Pastor Aaron also set it up so we have Sunday morning groups in addition to some of the great groups that are meeting already. This morning at 8.30, we launched a new group and we had 25 people come at 8.30. Praise God. Many of these groups are centered on the content of the Bible Engagement Project. There are two tracks in the Bible Engagement Project. There's Listen, which is a track that takes you through the Bible, cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation over 40 weeks. There's another track called Learn. This is a track that focuses on the Bible's major concepts and themes also over 40 weeks. I see Jeremy and Karen Stanback. You guys are teaching this curriculum, right? Every Sunday at 10 o'clock. And we just had the first round of all these groups this week, so it's absolutely not too late to jump in. We want you to be part of Bible Engagement Project or another Bible study group. We've said that as a pastoral staff, it is our desire for every person who calls People's Church their church home to be part of a Bible study group. We're like going off and on today. A lot of hard people, a lot of hardworking people, I'm sure, trying to figure out why that is. I'll try not to be distracting, okay? So, as we've been in this series called Disciple, and we're finishing today, uh, I want to share this with you. A few weeks ago, we were talking about the value of being part of teaching other people what we know about Jesus. And uh, someone took one of those cards that we have in the seat back, 
The cards, the intended purpose is that this card would be a place for you to share your prayer request, your praise reports. If you've made a decision for Christ, that's the best way to let us know. You want to be water baptized, you want us to help you get into a small group, you can let us know using those cards. Even though it is not an intended purpose of the card, some of you use this as a comment card to let me know that it was too warm or too cold in the sanctuary, the lights were too dark, too bright, it was too loud and also too quiet at the same time. So thank you for that. And someone shared on one of the cards, as we're talking about disciple, they wrote, you should have a t-shirt that says, each one, teach one. And they wrote in the name box, anonymous. Anonymous, I don't know who you are, but here's your t-shirt. We added to your idea, it says each one, reach one, teach one. What would happen in people's church if every person who called this their church home in the year 2022 said, I will reach at least one person with the message of Christ? We would double it. Whoever did their math all there on their own, that's good. We would double it. It would be good for people's church, but even better, it would be great for the kingdom. And then what if each person we were to say, I know enough about Jesus to teach someone else about the love of Christ. Each one, reach one, teach one. By the way, huge shout out to Jackson Clements, the designer of the t-shirt. Thank you, Jackson. Disciple. Disciple is to teach others what you have been taught about Jesus for the purpose of becoming more like Jesus. My encouragement throughout these four weeks has been that each one of us will be challenged to live the disciple life. Discipleship is where the spiritual meets the practical in growing the church. Discipleship thrives when we are willing to give and receive biblical teaching. When you practice discipleship, God's kingdom grows through you. We loved it last week, Pastor Aaron. You brought the word and you brought the word. It was so, so good. Thank you for teaching last week. So I listened to you preach all three services. I took a lot of notes and these are, I hope you took notes too. These are some of my highlights, Pastor Aaron, from your message last week. Some of us settle for an introduction to Jesus. Jesus is not just after a following, he's after disciples. God is patient with us as we learn to hear his voice. Pastor Aaron shared that disciples do not avoid the messy. Aaron, I love this challenge. Let new believers run. New believers light fires under experienced Christians. So true. What others see as wreckage can be what we hold on to, what holds us together in the storms. Our goal is to look as much like Jesus as possible by the time we get to heaven. Good word. Today we're going to look at three settings, three settings, one, two, three, 
where believers gather around God's word with an expectation of experiencing God. Three settings where believers gather around God's word with an expectation of experiencing God. We're going to see these come to life in a relationship that the Apostle Paul has with the church in Ephesus. We'll see three settings where believers engage with the Bible, and I want to give you these right up front. Here we go. Spiritual growth happens, one, in personal devotions, two, in groups, and three, in large gatherings. We're going to see this all today. Personal devotions, groups, large gatherings. Have you noticed how the word disciple is baked into the word discipline? The way we use discipline here is training over time that produces results. Training over time that produces results, discipline. Aaron said last week, our goal is to look as much like Jesus as possible by the time we go to heaven. That is the intended results. We are discipled, we are disciplined disciples and our purpose, our desire, is to look as much like Christ as possible by the time we go to heaven. Guys, maybe we should just shut off the side screens for the service. Or if we got it, we got it. But if they're not working, we may just shut them down. Thanks for your work up there. We have a great tech team, by the way. Great. When we talk about Paul, we're talking about historical events that happened after the death and resurrection of Christ. Paul hated Christians. He was given the authority to terrorize Christians. And then Paul became a Christian. No one is too far gone. And Paul is now the most well-known missionary, evangelist, and church planner of all time. Paul lived out the values that we talk about in local and global missions. And one of the places that Paul visits is Ephesus. About two decades after the death and resurrection of Jesus, Paul spends about two years in Ephesus. Paul stayed in Ephesus for two years. And then sometime later, Paul wrote a letter back to the church in Ephesus. So we're going to start with that letter today. And the letter is for us in our Bible. You can read the letter anytime you want. It's called Ephesians. In the letter, we see the first of three settings where a believer engages in the word. Paul encourages the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Personal prayer time is a time to engage in God's Word. Leading up to this verse, Paul writes, be strong in the Lord. And then Paul gives us this illustration. He says, put on the armor of God so that you can stand up against what? Stand up against the deceit of the devil. The devil. What's happening in the world today is a battle between the powers of darkness and the spiritual force of heaven. And thank God, it's not an even fight. The victory has already been won. 
So Paul talks about this armor that we're supposed to put on, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of readiness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is our Bible. Right after he talks about the sword of the Spirit, he says, take the sword of the Spirit, take the Word of God, pray in the Spirit at all times. So Paul, back to back, talks about prayer and being in the Word of God. So here's a fill in the blank. Prayer is intended to be inseparable from the Word of God. Prayer is intended to be inseparable from the word of God. Devotions is a time of prayer and engaging in God's word. So maybe you already have a, a good system of doing this, your personal time in the word, linking the word to prayer. If you don't, here's an idea. Maybe you've heard the phrase, pray the word or pray scripture. So as you're reading the Bible, scripture may give you a reason to rejoice. So say you're reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and you come across verse 57 as you're reading the word in your private time and it says, be thanks to God, but thanks to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That may speak to your heart in the moment and you take that word that you just read and you pray it. Father, your word says, thanks to God. Father, I'm thankful for you. Thank you for the victory through Jesus Christ in my life. Maybe you're reading scripture. We don't like this part as much. Scripture reveals sin in our life. Scripture reveals in us rebellion against God and his good ways. So maybe you're reading Proverbs chapter 16, 28, which says gossip separates the best of friends. And you read that and you remember that conversation that you had at work yesterday and it was gossip and you're reminded God does not like gossip and so you can immediately pray on that scripture father I read in your word and some of us would say I read once again father I know it but once again there I was it's so tempting I was caught up in gossip with the people at my workplace I was caught up in gossip at church Father, I'm convicted. Help me to turn away from gossip next time it comes up and forgive me for engaging in that conversation full of gossip. I think I've told you this before. I have a pastor friend who likes to say, I, I don't gossip. I just want to know everyone else's prayer requests. Maybe you're reading the Bible and you read something in your Bible reading that reminds you of someone. You can let that verse shape a prayer for that person. Like maybe you read Psalm 41 and you come across the verse, the Lord sustains them on their sickbed. You read that and you think of someone who's going through a chronic illness. You think of a friend who's in the hospital. You think of someone who's battling some sort of disease and you read the Lord sustains them on their sickbed and you can say father in heaven I come to you right now for my friend your word says that you are the sustainer of those who are on the sickbed father I lean into you father I call upon you in the name of Jesus to sustain my friend my family member my co-worker my neighbor sustain them 
And the verse doesn't end there. It says, the Lord restores them from their bed of illness. Father, I'm crying out to you, restore my friend, my family member from their illness in the name of Jesus. Sometimes you'll see something on social media. Maybe someone will say out loud, they'll say, can you just please send your prayers or your good thoughts or your well wishes, just send them this way. Prayer is not the same as good thoughts and happy well wishes. To pray is to connect with your victorious heavenly father and to engage in spiritual warfare against the dark, evil, deceitful, and destructive strategies of the enemy. Spiritual growth happens through prayer. We're not just sending good thoughts and well wishes into the air. I am praying and I am going into the throne room of God with an expectation that he already knows and he's ready to move. So the first disciple discipline that produces spiritual growth that we see highlighted today in Paul's relationship with the Ephesians is prayer. Prayer connected to the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Ephesians is a letter to the church in Ephesus written years after Paul visited them in person. And we also have for us a record of Paul's in-person visit to the church in Ephesus. It's right there for us in Acts chapter 19. If you've got your word with you today, we're going to hang out in Acts chapter 19 for just a couple minutes, and it would be really good to follow along. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19 begins with a description of the route that Paul takes to get to Ephesus, and it actually reminds me of Oregon. Because it says that Paul went over the interior mountains to get to Ephesus. I feel like to get just about anywhere in Oregon, you drive for about an hour, then you go over some mountains, and then you're there. So Paul goes over the mountains to get to Ephesus. He gets there and he finds believers who are already followers of Christ. They're actually described as disciples. So we're talking about settings where believers engage with God's word. Here's where we get our second setting. What happens between Paul and these disciples is so important. It begins with a question that Paul brings. Acts chapter 19, verse 2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He, Paul, asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. In verse 7, we find out that there were 12 in this gathering. That is a small group. This is a conversation. Spiritual growth, it happens in monologues like we're doing now, like in a worship service like this. Spiritual growth also happens in dialogues, in conversation. And this is a conversation that's not just about head knowledge. It's about the life power known as spirit baptism. Paul's not having this talk with them, just hoping that they leave with more information. He is giving them information that will transform their lives. Many of us will say it's been true for us, and this is another fill in the blank. Bible-centered conversations add depth to our spiritual journey. Bible-centered conversations add depth to our spiritual journey. So Paul asked the question, 
Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? There are other questions. Do you know that your sin separates you from your heavenly father? Do you know that there's no amount of good deeds, no level of moral behavior that will restore that broken relationship that you have with God? Have you received salvation by declaring Jesus Christ as your savior? What is the significance of the bread and the cup that are part of communion like we celebrated today? Why is water baptism essential for every believer? How does the promise of Christ returning shape the way that you live today? Are you practicing the biblical principles of generosity? To all of those questions and many others at some point in our faith walk and maybe even today, our answer to questions like these may be similar to what the Ephesians answered. No, I haven't heard. No, this has not been explained. Or, I've heard something about that, but to be honest, I really don't understand. It's good to have questions. Questions are good. Questions followed by honest, transparent answers are where spiritual growth happens. And some of us, we could point back in our spiritual walk and we'd say some of the most important moments, some of the moments that shaped our faith the most are when we asked a question and we got an honest answer. So the conversation continues. The believers say that they never heard of this. Acts chapter 19, verse 3. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. The baptism of John is... Water baptism, water baptism, this is a public declaration of new life in Christ. In water baptism, a believer is immersed in water, comes back up out of the water, just like we did last week, right down here in the altar. Water baptism is symbolic of being dead to our old way of living and the new life that we have in Jesus. These believers in Ephesus, they say, we have done that. And Paul says, this baptism that I'm talking with you about today, this is spirit baptism, and it's different. Verse 4, Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come after, meaning Jesus. Listen carefully to what Paul says. He says, John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. At this point in world history, they did not have the New Testament assembled in the format that we have today. However, what Paul says here, John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. What Paul says there references what will become part of the New Testament. Listen to this. Listen to how similar what Paul says is to John chapter 1, verse 15. John the Baptist testified about him, Jesus, when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. Paul's visit to Ephesus happened 20 years after John the Baptist said these words. 
So what would have to happen for words to be well known and repeated by Paul 20 years after John the Baptist said them? They must, they must have been passed down by oral tradition and or in writing over the years and over the decades in almost verbatim form or in verbatim form, empowered by the Holy Spirit, for Paul to say almost exactly or exactly what John the Baptist said 20 years earlier. And then eventually that becomes part of the word. And the point today is that this conversation that Paul is having with the Ephesians about spirit baptism, it's all centered on the word. The word is the center of the conversation. Verse five, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Spirit baptism. Verse six, then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and they prophesied. For today's purpose, what is important is for us to see that life change happened in a small group setting. At the center of the conversation, words that are now part of the New Testament. We've seen that spiritual growth happens through prayer and the word together in personal devotions. Now we see that spiritual growth happens in small group dialogue, disciple disciplines. Now look at this. This is recorded immediately after that small group conversation about spirit baptism. Acts chapter 19, verse 8. Then Paul went to the synagogue. Paul went to the synagogue and he preached boldly for the next three months arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. So now Paul goes to the synagogue. He goes to the Jewish house of worship. This is what Jesus also did. This is a large gathering setting. For Paul to preach boldly and persuasively in the synagogue, the Jewish house of worship, his preaching must be richly sourced in what we now call the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible. So Paul makes the case for Christ, and it's not through feelings. It's not through emotions. It's not through using the best sales techniques of ancient Israel. Paul uses, he preaches from the word of God, preaches from the Old Testament scripture to make the case for Christ, and he does it boldly. So here we see the word of God now at the center of a large group gathering. Look at what happens as Paul is preaching and teaching boldly and persuasively. Verse nine, some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. The way is what Christianity was known as before it became known as Christianity, the way. So people are becoming stubborn. They're rejecting the message. They're publicly speaking against Christianity. Nothing new under the sun. So Paul left the synagogue and he took the believers with him. They held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Now, we don't know much about Tyrannus, but we do know that in Ephesus, there was a lecture hall that he either owned or was named after him. And this was a place that became known as a place where the word of God was preached. 
There is a known public place, a place that became known as Ephesus, where you could gather on a regular basis to hear the preaching of the word of God. For all the great things that happen at people's church, and there are many, what we desire to be most known for in our city and beyond is that this is a place where the word of God is preached. And we don't gather to worship a place. We gather at the place to worship the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For two years, Paul stayed there. People with Jewish background and people with Greek background, they hear the word of God. And if you want some good reading when you get home later today, read verses 10 through 19, and you'll read that as this regular preaching is happening at this public hall, there, it leads to a showdown with evil spirits in Ephesus. And as a result, the fear of God descends on the entire city, this major city, and people are convicted specifically about practicing sorcery. So this amazing event that surely would have been covered by all the major networks happens when people bring the equivalent of millions of dollars worth of incantation books and materials to practice sorcery and they make a huge pile in the center of the city and they set it on fire, destroying these items that were used for practices that were against God. The point is this, fill in the blank, cities Cities are changed as the message of Christ is preached in large gatherings. Cities are changed as the message of Christ is preached in large gatherings. This is happening in Ephesus. This is not Mayberry in the middle of nowhere. This is one of the most important major cities of the day. As the message of God is preached, cities change. Look at verse 20. This is so good. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had powerful effect. The message of the, about the Lord spread widely and had powerful effect. One of the challenging questions that all churches must wrestle with is that if we were to cease to exist, would anyone notice that we're missing? We do many great things in our city, but it would be our heart that if we were ever to cease to exist, that it would be notice, there would be a noticeable difference that a place where the word of God is preached has become absent. What we see in all of this today, the result of personal devotions, groups and large gatherings is action, not just information. You could also put in the word change. The result of personal devotions, groups, large gatherings is change, life change, city change, marriage change, family restoration. Personal devotions, groups, large gatherings, those of you who are here today and, and you would say, I have been intentional about making sure that I have all three of those areas in my life at all times. 
you would say that you have experienced a strengthening in your faith walk and that each one of those has been important or effective or even essential in different ways. Maybe you'd say there's an area or two or three where I've slipped, where I've not been as consistent as I once was or as I know I need to be. And you would say, I, I've sensed that since I've left out personal devotions, or I've sensed as I've neglected Bible study group time, I've sensed that something is missing. And there's, there's Bible study group benefit that I can't get from any the other areas. God, all three are God's idea. It's not about religious ritual. Did that, did that, did that. It's desiring to become more like Christ by intentionally being in settings that are God's ideas. And if it's your desire, and I hope it is, if it's your desire to be involved in being discipled and making other disciples, there's no better way than to actively be engaged in all three areas that we've talked about today. Personal devotions and prayer. Small group Bible study. Large worship settings. So that each one can reach one and teach one. And Jackson, if we were to add another word, it would be repeat. Each one, reach one, teach one, repeat. One of my friends pastors a church and their mission statement is one more person fully alive in Christ. Before Jennifer and I and our kids moved to Oregon, we were in Wisconsin where we served on the staff of a great church, Pastor Jerry Brooks, who was here back in uh, the spring, uh, serving at Oak Creek Assembly for, I think it's 43 years. Amazing. And there was a question that was passed down to him that he passed down to us, and now I'm passing on to you. And the question that he would, would bring up is he would say, tell me when and where do your personal devotions happen? When and where do you daily spend time in the word and pray? And maybe you've already got there. The reason this is such a piercing question is that if you can quickly answer that question every morning, 5.30 a.m., kitchen table. If you can quickly answer that question, it is likely evidence that you actually have a committed personal prayer and devotion life. But if you struggle, or if we struggle to answer the question, when and where do your daily devotions happen? If we have to spend a lot of time thinking about it, it may be evidence that our personal devotion time is not where it needs to be. And as we're talking about these areas today, we could apply the same question to each of the three areas. When and where is your weekly group Bible study? We have incredible, talented, trained 
compassionate Bible study teachers at the church. There are great Bible study groups that are here. And also, if you have something else that works, that's okay too. For you, when and where does your weekly group Bible study take place? You might say every Thursday at noon, there's a group of workers, co-workers that I have, and we, on Thursday, study the Bible together. That's your group. Praise God. You might say every Tuesday morning at 6.30 a.m., I get together with the other guys down by the cafe. We have a Bible study. Then the question, when and where is your weekly worship service? And I hope that you have a church home. We, we love it when your church home is people's church. But if it's not people's church, I hope that it's a church. And it's not, well, we go here when this guy's preaching and we go there when this person's leading worship and we look at the different series and Listen, I love it if you're here. But more than that, I want you to have, there's something that's so valuable about having a church home where you're not just there to soak in, but you're part of giving and serving. So I, I see a lot of people here. I know that this is your place. So I'm not addressing this to anyone that I see individually, but I'm just saying, maybe this is for you to pass on to somebody else. Have a church home. What is the place and the time where you gather for weekly, large community, praise, worship, and being in the word together? Thank God for these three ways that he's given us to grow. To grow so that we can look as much like Jesus as possible by the time we reach the finish line, this side of eternity. Let's use every moment that we've got. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ with hearts full of gratitude for your word today. Father, we're so thankful that your word guides us to where the spiritual meets the practical. We say thank you, Father, for these three areas that are illustrated for us out of the historical church in Ephesus, where Paul encouraged them to pray, to have devotion time where the word of God, the sword of the spirit, the Bible is connected to prayer. say thank you father for the example of a small group that we have where there was questions about the baptism of the holy spirit that produced a tangible result 12 believers baptized in the holy spirit for empowerment and we say thank you father for the example of what happened when regular large gatherings occurred in that public hall that transformed a city that brought conviction over the whole city that led to a massive fire of all these things, the destruction of all these things that were against you. And also as a result, that people of all different backgrounds got to hear the word of God and the church grew. 
Father, it's our desire that we would see it play out through people's church, that as we grow deeper, that the church would reach wider. Father, we thank you for the tangible, real results that we find when we pray and read your word, when we gather in small groups, and also when we gather in large settings like this. Thank you for the positive, Christ-centered transformation that will take place in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, in our neighborhoods, our schools, we pray for our schools. Thank you for the transformation that has the potential to transform the state house, our city, our region, our nation, and even the world. Thank you for challenging each of us. Many of us would say, if we're honest, there's one, two, or even three of the areas that we've talked about that we've neglected and we're not bringing ourselves to these areas in the way that we want to. So Father, thank you for challenging us. We know that it's never your desire that we would live in the rearview mirror, but that we would be forward-looking. Father, show us if there's any area where we're not as engaged as we need to be. Show us the path of re-engagement. Empower our discipline as disciples. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.